Welcome to episode 41 of the Break 80 podcast. I'm joined uh, by Mike and Tim and the three of us. I have a feeling we'll need a therapy session with the amount of snow we're about to get here in, uh, in Minnesota. So how are you two guys holding up as, you, as we brace for this snow-nami? Did I see correctly on the news today up to two feet? Is that possible? God, yeah, just, 20, just, 20 to 30 inches is what I heard. It was morning. all melting, too. Unreal. It, we were so close. I, know. I could see green. Well, I could see brown. It was more just brown and mud. And oh, brutal. Good news. More time for you to train. Get ready for our this quest to qualify. This is true. But it also kind of like sets you back a little bit because you're like, oh, you know, you saw things come and you're like, oh, we're about to get outside and maybe a month possibly. This really derails it, kind of brings your dopper back down a little bit, I think. I was yeah. thinking, man, I'm going to, I don't need to book that trip in March. And with the snow coming in, I'm like, oh, that trip in March, that's happening. On the bonus end of it, the plus side, I did look like the extended forecast after the weekend. It's a little cold. It's all like highs in the mid to upper 30s. So that should help. Well, we do have the quest to qualify update. That is our quest that we've set on to qualify for the Minnesota State Amateur. Uh, the three of us have been working on our games, or at least some of us have been working on our games, trying to get ready uh, as that's coming up in the summer. And last week we talked about sharing um, things we've been working on, talked about our bag. And this week we just want to give an update on anything else that we're working on and, and, and some of our strengths and weaknesses as a player. You know, we play a round of golf. What are some things that we can rely on that we think we're, we do fairly well and then areas that have always kind of hindered our games in some way, shape, or form. So maybe we start off with Timmy. If you want to start our, our listeners off with a little bit about you as a player in terms of, you know, things that you do well or things that you, uh, you also struggle with. My strengths, um, my lungs are hardy, very hardy lungs. <laughs> uh, I, I've made the joke for a, a year or two now that uh, I'm a generational ball striker, uh, not a wedge player, not a, not a driver of the golf ball, but uh, something with a, a mid to short iron can usually do a good job of hitting the green. So really feel like there's a strength there. Huge drawback with the driver. That thing is wildly inaccurate. Driver sucks. Did sell the two Cobras, so we're working towards finding a new solution. Uh, come to find out in talking to our, our friend Chris, who's a tailor-made rep, that if you do any custom work on your uh, your your tailor-made Stealth 2, as far as turning it different colors, his discount no longer applies. So we're back to the drawing board on that. Uh, currently swinging a M1 TP... 4 440 head uh tailor made with a matrix double x 70 gram shaft in it that our good friends at go low golf said uh is stiffer than mike's shaft so which I'm makes really... zero sense that you are the, when your swing speed isn't the same that makes no no sense. this is great this is i i, I have to adapt <laughs> oh you know i'm 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 Bear grills in the simulator right now i'm adapting to survive out here with my like triple xxx shaft uh it's it's we're getting the swing speed up slowly you're telling me that like rory and rom and those guys that we just watched on tv whose ball speed is like 25 miles per hour more than yours you're gonna swing a stiffer shaft than they are yeah 100 100 (laughs) percent. it's like uh it's it's like when you get ready to go up to bat in baseball and you use the weighted bat right I'm, i'm this is my weighted bat i'm in preparation to to move back to the, the properly drop three ounce metal bat and get up up to the plate. So folks that are listening, if, if he wasn't selling prescription drugs and he was an actual drug dealer, we'd be, we'd be invoking the don't use your own product. Uh, <laughs> <right here>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did play 54 holes of simulator golf this weekend though, with that driver. And I can tell you, I cannot move that thing left. I can try. Oh yeah. The absolute hardest. Uh, so I, I might have a solution to never hit the ball left ever again under it's pressure. It's just going to go wherever the club face is when you hit it because there's not going to be any snap to it whatsoever. Zero snap. It's going to be a bore. Zero snap. Um, you didn't get sucked into Cobra again with the new Aerojet commercial where they're, they're down to two players, Ricky and Gary Woodland? Well, I, I'm hoping, Cobra, if you're listening, I, we know you're hurting. We know you're hurting. <laughs> I'll rep your products. 
I'll rep them. Uh, give us a contract. But they tested my golf spy, tested them and the TaylorMade Stealth too. And Cobra always does really well on those my golf spy tests. But this year they came up second and it was to the Stealth too. And I, I hit that thing with uh, the the Go Low Golf and Minnesota Golf Lab and it's going. I mean, that thing is flying. So I just need to make the the financial commitment to to actually purchase this driver. It's good. It'll I, be my it'll be my second new club in something like five years. Everything else has always been used. <laughs> well, it's a good it's good. I've hit it too. I have the sim too. Uh I've actually I mean, I don't know if there's that much of a difference, but it is good. I've I've actually thought about just getting a new head, a stealth head or a stealth two head, either one and put it on the same shaft that I have just did. But I just like having new toys, you know, it's like fun. But well, and TaylorMade's been pretty good about their return policies. Everyone that I know that has had issues with TaylorMade, because the carbon face makes me a little nervous. I've heard stories of bubbling or or defect on occasion, but they're super good about replacements. Yeah. So I'm I not hope... not necessarily worried on that. I'm actually hoping I can crack the sim too. And then when I send it in, they just send me a stealth. Because I've seen I've seen on the internet that's what they do. That, they, that may they, work. They just do. That's they, <laughs> they 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 send you a lot of times. They'll just send you their newest product. You know they have to match it up or whatever. They just say F it because they don't want to like go back and find yeah, and yeah. dig another one up. So they we'll just say here's a new, guy, one. A new one. I, I don't think this was the place to admit that. Uh, <laughs> they're not listening. <laughs> they're they're Tim, not listening. <laughs> Tim, you got no comments on on your putting? Are we? I mean, is there anything that? No, actually, I so I bought this is this is a very old putter. It's the Cleveland Classic. It's the old toe hang blade, and I I bought it because you really have to feel like you're releasing the club head through the ball, and that's the biggest problem I've had is not leading with my left hand, not releasing the club face, and pulling uh, the crap out of the the ball when I'm putting. So I got this super old school putter that is making me forcing me to release the club face on it through the stroke. So I'm, I'm working with that too. And we're doing all kinds of things. The quest to qualify is real. Uh, however, Mike, you weren't on this text conversation. I texted Jeff and I go, man, we're really, you know, I'm putting in this work, working on fitness. Mike is laughably doing nothing. I go, he's still going to beat our ass though. Come season. <laughs> I'm actually, here's the thing. I am going to actually, I got to start working out. I feel, I feel so heavy right now. And fat is just gross. I can't even, it's just disgusting. I got to get in better shape. Well, let's go off that, Mike. What uh, anything that you want to update us on? Uh, well, I haven't. Other than the sim, a couple of times that we've played, I guess that's the only time I've touched a golf club. But I do have. It's actually sitting right next to me still, the perfect putting mat in the box, uh, still sealed, never opened from last year. But I might might break it out. Just we're, we're trying. We're working on a space. I got my basement. I've been doing all kinds of work to drywalling and a bunch of crap. But I'm trying to find a little space for a putting. A good putting mat where the dogs aren't going to like piss all over it or something. You know, that's a problem. Um, but let's see my game. Um, I think driving the golf ball, I wouldn't necessarily call it a strength. It's hit or miss. If I'm driving it well, I'm usually scoring well. Cause I think my, my main strength is probably just like ball striking irons wedges. You know, I think typically I probably hit, 13, 14 greens and reg, 12 to 14, I suppose, somewhere. Um, so I feel like I, I hit it decent enough. I don't move the ball much. It's pretty straight. Um, you know, I think a strength and a weakness for my game is I want to hit the driver maybe too much because I want to get into wedge range. I, if I if I had just a little more confidence um you know hanging back a bit i could hit a lot i could hit two iron and play pretty much all day long um but yeah i think the biggest weakness and hmm, it's obviously it has to do with putting um but i don't necessarily to in in full honesty and maybe it's just me trying to have some positive self-talk here i don't necessarily think it's my putting stroke i I just it's green reading ability it's so bad it's just it's terrible um, and I think some of you probably have followed the trials and tribulations when I've been playing with Jeff, <laughs> um, like that one round at Chaska town where I think I hit 16 greens and the other two were on the fringe. So I basically hit 18 greens and only shot one under which is ridiculous. Um, and, but a lot of times, really... just, 
Huh? You read Green's like a public school kid. <laughs> it's yeah. those tests are way down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I you know I gotta I gotta at some point in time this spring sit down and figure out is it like a maybe one eye you know a certain eye dominant something because every time basically when I start putting better I I read it. And I always add more break to whatever I read. And I'm like, it's amazing how many more I make with, but that's all that's fucked up. You know, you can't do that forever. Um, so yeah, I think I just got to find a way to get, to get better. I, you know, I always want to go back to standard putting just because I, I hate, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a claw guy or a pencil grip, whatever you want to call it. I it's to me, it's the most comfortable putting grip to keep the stroke online but I hate how it looks because I'm six five and I have to hunch over so far to get down there. So it looks terrible. I did get the I did get the belly putter um, that I was going to try to use as a as a arm lock, but we, I, putting at the sim was I it could not keep it online. Impossible. So that'll Sounds probably like get Mike's, Mike's in need of a, of a caddy for the quest to qualify. That'll get sold. Perhaps a good caddy could get him some reads and, and whatnot. Yeah, well, it's funny because whenever I go play places with like. If I go play in a scramble and I'm putting last, you know, I usually putt third or fourth in a four-man, I make a lot of putts. When I can see, if I see the read, I roll a lot of putts in. And I think, like, pace is never terrible. You know, I, for instance, I, I played in the State Am at North Oaks, you know, and they get them going pretty good for the State Am. You know, Doug Hoffman sets them up. They get them pretty fast. I missed the cut, but I did not have a three-putt in two rounds. Not a single one. Uh, so I don't three putt that much. You know, pace is usually good. Is an issue, isn't an issue. It's just getting it online somehow. It's I think it's more reading than it is my putting stroke most of the time. But yeah, that's what I got to fix somehow. I don't know. It's not like I, think, I can just. I don't even know how to fix it. That's the problem. Well, twenty twenty four golf right when they get their yeah their putt putting mat in putt view. Yep. You know, I, years ago for coaching, I took the uh, aim point clinic. Um, which I think there is some merit to it. The problem is I, I hate playing slow. It just, it takes so much time. It's slow. I just can't, I can't do it. I'm a pretty fast player. Although I have, I was watching the tour this weekend. I think I might take a little more time over the ball this year and just like, just have better pot. Just think, think about one swing thought instead of zero swing thoughts, <laughs> like better posture, <laughs> you know, better posture or something. I'm not going to take practice swings and all that bullshit that you don't need, but yeah. Um, just something but anyway yeah i don't know it's for me it's usually putting and some short game stuff clean up those things i hit it decent enough i mean there's an there's a round here or there like the quarry last year where it's just like what you're just out of your mind you can't hit a ball straight or anything but for the most part for the most part i keep it in play and hit it okay it just i don't know i should probably practice i might actually go practice this year outside practice. once once we get outside i might have to get back into the groove of practicing Talk about practice. Yeah, I know. It sucks. Well, I would say, you know, I, I don't, when I look at my game, I don't think like strengths like, like come right out at me. You know, they're, I don't think like necessarily I'm hideous in too many things, but I'm not great at them either. So I'm kind of somewhere in the middle and give or take on how I'm playing is they could be over average or under average, depending on, you know, where I'm at in the summer. But I would say overall, if I had to pick ones, usually I'm pretty solid 100 and in. I, I typically at least hit the green. Um, in most cases, um, short game, if it's, if it's on is kind of why I score. I think my, and reason why is because my biggest weakness is my long irons. And I think they've always been. And the reason why is because I tend to think I have to get more out of them. So I, I kind of swing different. I kind of forward his, th you know, thrust up my body a little bit to try to generate more power on them. And I get out of posture means a lot of pulls, a lot of pushes, just not good contact. So one of the reasons why I tend to hit a lot of drivers is because I want to avoid the long iron. Kind of like Mike was saying, I'd rather have a you know eight iron or in instead of hitting some six iron, five iron, four iron. I want to try to avoid those. So then I end up taking more club than I actually need often. Kind of get risky at times and it could get me in trouble more. And that's not because I don't like my driver, just that I'm avoiding the long iron. So that's the biggest thing that I feel like I need to to clean up and just my overall consistency. I just, I just feel like I'm Jekyll and Hyde. I can go out and shoot really well, or I could go out and just not have it. And so how can I kind of bring that down? And I talked last week, it's mental games, a big part of that. I think it's just, you know, my mental, like if I step on, if I had a bad range session, I, I'm kind of telling myself, I just don't have it today. You know, 
I don't have a thought that that that's going with my swings not working well. So I might as well just you know see what happens. And usually it's not very good. So I got to find a way to work through those. Um, I think that's gonna help me, you know, not necessarily shoot way lower, but at least minimize the 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 bad rounds. And I think that's kind of what we're all looking. We're trying to have be a better overall golfer. We don't have our a games, right? Um, an A game, it's you know going to be around par for me. But the problem is, uh, you know, that's few and far between. And so I think if I'm a better ball striker, especially long irons, I will get a lot closer to uh, to reaching um, that part of success and and then finding those really really low rounds. So that's basically my you know putting also is very hit or miss. Can get really hot. Can get really cold. I was, I was gonna say putting to me would be at times I played you would be a strength. Yeah, it's it's annoying. It's you very make, you annoying. You make a lot. You make a lot of. You make the putts. It, at least when we play. Maybe not always, but that I need to make more. Like nothing is more frustrating than like that round at Chaska where you hit it in there like 10, 15 feet over yeah. and over, and you just miss them all. You see, you make a lot of that ten to fifteen kind of foot range. I do, and I think, and I think it comes down to expectation. You know, I think it comes down to that's kind of the the mental approach to it. Like I, I don't. I just let it freewheel those and I don't really expect to make it right. When you get over a five footer, you're like, I have to make this put more pressure on yourself. You don't, you know, you don't follow through on your putter or you kind of, you know, stab at it, whatever it might be. Cause you are thinking I have to make this as opposed to that 10 to 15 footer. You're just like, I'm just going to put a, a good stroke on this thing. And what do you know? They go in, you know, that's kind of, I think why I tend to make more of those than, you know, some of those shorter ones that I, I miss. So Thanks, self-talk. Great self-talker. Tim, Tim, if we could have had mic'd up for that match in the quarry when you guys played, that would have been an epic uh, YouTube or something, just watching Jeff walking off in the distance, just swearing at himself. If the PGA Tour had me mic'd up on hole 17 at the the quarry coming down the stretch, that would have been epic. That would have – they would have gone to it a lot sooner if they caught me uh, mic'd up on that one. So Netflix full swing season two. And that's well. Let's go into that. Let's let's go into the thoughts on on the full swing. And I think has everybody here watched it all? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh okay, yeah. So you fire away. What are some thoughts that you had on it? Um, you know, Brooksy. from from top to Brooksy bottom. Brooksy is the only authentic thing about that whole whole series. I mean, I and Scotty is Scotty's authentic. He's pretty Scotty, and he's he's you know. Do you know what I thought was authentic guy. about? You know what I thought was authentic about Brooks? He was struggling, so he went to live. Just authentic. He's like, I don't have to try anymore. I can just go and make money and not have to do anything. Well, yeah, he's, he was worried. He was he was actually <laughs> worried about his performance if he can continue to keep up with the guys on tour every week. I guess and um, all the injuries plaguing him um, really didn't see a great path back. So at least he was honest. At least it gave the the viewer something compelling within the series. Other than that, yeah. it it was certainly it was. I think it was targeted more at a non golf audience yes, that's what i was gonna say it's not for guys like us it's for people who don't you know like like people that follow golf knew what was going on and everything on there you know if you it was for people like like my fiance watched it all who don't you know who like golf they'll watch it here and there but they don't really know all the ins and outs that's who it's geared for um i guess in my opinion I liked, you know, I, I'm a big, uh, you know, I like the content, but it's not like you guys said it. I like the content that was off the course that we would never see, you know, like that was kind of fun just kind of seeing them, you know, do what, do what they do before they play around or working out in between rounds or sitting in the clubhouse bullshitting. Like we all do. That's the kind of stuff that I think for me was fun to see just cause I haven't got, um, you know, we don't get access to that kind of stuff. So that was kind of fun, but yeah, the other, all the golf stuff is stuff we already knew. You know, Finau coming home to his entire giant family, you know, uh, the, uh, all that kind of stuff that we never would have seen. The Finau backstory hitting into the garage and stuff was kind of cool with his dad talking about I didn't have any money. And uh, I thought I actually thought Joel Damon was like the most authentic because that's exactly how he is. Just self-deprecating, you know, like like he's like someone the best, the most memorable quote to the whole show is like, well, somebody's got to be the 70th best golfer in the world. You know, that, like, and I, and I've sat, I've sat there and drank a beer with him at Papago and he'll just bullshit with anybody. Like, that's who he is. He's just a laid back. He's like, it's like one of us three being good enough to be on the PGA tour. Just go out there and bullshit and walk around and have a good time. That's exactly how he is. Um, so I even thought, then they didn't go into complete depth though. Cause, cause Damon yeah. had one of those angel investors, right? So 
it didn't quite go into the entirety of his background. It well, I mean, those guys just, all have those investors. They all do. You can't. It is so hard to make it up to the PGA Tour without money these days. Like play all these mini tour events that like, you have to have a bunch of money behind you um, to do it. But yeah, I mean, it it could have went deeper. They they could do a whole like I actually thought um, they could have spent a lot of time on Fitzpatrick just adding distance and you know all the crazy analytics he goes through and charting all of his shots and you could spend a whole multiple episodes like how the hell did this little guy go from hitting it nowhere a few years ago to out driving like dustin johnson in that a couple of those clips and stuff like that he's done it over a over a period of time he just slowly built it up to where he's pumping it now um so yeah i mean they could go they could do a whole series that's like more in-depth stuff for guys like us you know that, that don't just scratch the surface but i it was entertaining. I mean, I watched it like straight through one day. I just sat there watching it over and over again. Yeah, yep. good. Same, same here. I going back to 60s, 70s when it was Jack and Arnie and Seve and Watson and those guys. The the papers at the time did a really good job of creating this narrative of one guy versus the other guy, and it really built this suspense in the tour. To where, you know, Gary Player was kind of the villain and Arnie was kind of the hero. And then Jack was the newcomer to take over Arnie's spot as Superman almost. And we don't, they had the opportunity to do that narrative within full swing. And they they didn't, they just kept it on backstory. They didn't really take a moment to, I mean, how easy would it have been to get Patrick Reed on there? Or, or to, you know, still have a narrative with Brooks. Or, you know, have have a or set a narrative somewhere with someone to help build this story. Because even in the F1 version, they they kind of help build rivalries against each other. And I feel like there was a missed opportunity to really create a rivalry. I wonder if they players. asked. I wonder if they had to go around and they probably had to get permission from the players to do it all, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure I wonder if a guy like Patrick Reed turned him down or I was actually thinking Max Homa would be a great story. Um, for the next one maybe or whatever but i don't know yeah i i did like there's a couple of spots i laughed at when when rory in the last episode was like fuck phil you see when they were stretching out yeah <laughs> and then i also thought it was like you know i get it these guys it, it is stressful you're, you're you're out there you know you got to grind to earn a living well i guess the live guys don't really anymore but that's a different story but but then when like when ian poulter and i actually thought it actually made Ian Poulter kind of likable, to be honest. I thought it, it, it did. Made, it, it made him he pretty likable. He was so likable. But then, but that same at the same time, he's like talking about how stressful this is and blah blah. Then one second later, they got him loading up a private jet, just flying. <laughs> like, like, ooh, that's so stressful. Oh man, I'm sure your life sucks. Yeah, but he's just burning his own money at that time, right? Yeah. And there's probably some sort of appearance fee that he's getting, and he obviously has sponsorships as he's still on tour, but. You got to think the guy's burning his own money to bring the family with him to go play all these events, and then he's missing cuts. So it's twenty grand here, fifteen grand there. Yeah, for, it just for caddy and the, the airfare is, and stay. And I think it's a hard grind for your your low end guys, but once you get to the level of the guys in that show, they are making multiple millions in just endorsements every year. So just wearing something on their shirt. You know, or like Patrick Calais with DeWalt on his hat now getting into the old DIY industry, which is with uh, we could spend a whole segment on that crazy hat situation with DeWalt and Goldman Sachs. But um, they make so much money. Like I was uh, I was talking to a buddy who actually is good buddies with a guy on tour. I won't say his name. And he was saying his clothing deal is one point five million for the year. So the amount of money they make in just that covers like all their travel fees and everything for the year. So the rest of it's just you know when your winnings and whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't. I thought I thought overall it was entertaining. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like it was watchable. It was decent. I, I think another criticism I would have is, you know, and I don't know what your fiance thought or people that don't watch it. Just the amount of jumping around they did. You know, they had to jump around. It kind of made it hard to follow because one episode they'd be at one place and they'd revisit that later and they would flash back and they would, you know, it's like they picked a few golfers to focus on and because they all those those golfers they focused on they all happen to play really well for example at the PGA Championship in Southern Hills so we start with JT there winning a winning a major and then 
we revisit it with, yeah. um, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick being in in the running, and then we also revisit again with Mito. And like it's like coming winding full back to those places where it's it seemed like it was trying to track it throughout the year, but then it would come back, and I could see that being super confusing to anybody that doesn't really follow golf. It would be cool. It would be awesome if like the golf channel could do like a weekly thing like that, you know, from the, from the tournament the week before find some, cause the fields are so deep with players. You can find a cool story and somebody to follow every single week, but they did, they did. What was that called? They did do something like that. Well, they do, called... but it's like, you know, but, but like with the production value of full swing, you know, they spend yeah. a lot of time, you know, putting in all the stuff and going to people's house, which it's obviously not feasible, but that'd be cool to go like week by week for every tournament. That'd be sweet. I know the so the U.S. Open does a really good job of their mini film. Usually comes out nine months after the Open wraps for the year, but they do a segment kind of in the background of the player. They really dramatize the the field and and how things kind of shake out that year and who wins. And it's a wonderful piece. It's about sixty minutes long on on YouTube, but that's I think the closest that we've seen. Um, but I think that. I think that they do a little bit better job of building in suspense. And Jeff, I think you're, you're spot on with the way they jumped around something like the U S open covering Fitzpatrick and covering a different player, but doing it on a whole different episode kind of makes it. So it's not as climactic as it could be. Right. Cause you're seeing one player at one time and then you have to re-remember, Oh, we're talking about, you know, the country club again. Oh, how does this player fit in? Oh yeah. Mito did fold X, Y, Z at you know, wherever it might've been Southern Hills. And then they jump over to Zalatoris, right? So uh, it, it felt kind of segmented out in individual player bubbles where it could have really just focused in on on a big tournament to build a, a little bit more suspense for us. Yeah. But overall, if you're listening and you haven't watched it, it's worth a watch. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's oh, good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to a, another what I thought was a pretty good watch. Uh, that was the, you know, the Genesis at Riviera. Uh, we got another... John Rahm win, um, his third win, wins over the crowd favorite, the home hometown kid, the California killer, Tim's pick for the week, Max Homa. Um, great oh, battle almost, down the stretch. Almost chipped in the tie on the last hole. That was yeah. fun. That was exciting. Yep, <laughs> that was exciting. And and uh, I don't know. It brought some good drama again. Got you know we we've talked about it last week. It's it's a good golf course. So you got to you know see some some great holes and some good strategies and firm, fast greens. That was fun. Um, you know, if you were not in the fairway, you got kind of penalized. It's hard to hold it certain things and get some flyers, get some, you know, not flying lies. So it was, I don't know, I thought it, it served its purpose of being a good test. Um, the problem is, I don't know if any golf course is a good test for John Ron right now. Um, well, before I get to Rom, I guess it, it just backs up my, I'm sure I've claimed this in one of our last 40 episodes it would be so much more interesting for people if the PGA tour, this is never going to happen because they own the TPC circuit of courses could just go to these great courses week in and week out and make them play firm and fast. Yes. They can hit, you know, they can hit it long off the tee when it's firm, but you make those greens firm like they had at Riviera. That is a test for anybody. It was, you know, again, what did Rom get to 16? So he had a 16 under something like that. Uh, maybe 17, 17, you know, which is right about there. I mean, it's, that's not super hard. It's, but it's harder than a lot of the weekly ones, you know? Um, and it's just fun to watch. You get some quirky holes like 10 gives people something to talk about. Uh, it would be such a better world than golf. If we could see those kind of courses week in, week out, you know, instead of a lot of your, 25 under is going to win, hit it high, hit it far, hit a wedge close to a pin. And a lot of these, you know, courses. You can just advocate for TPC to start purchasing some of these old golf clubs. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. They Riviera, they have, they have reworked some of the bunkers and they've taken out some trees. They've actually made the green smaller. They used to be bigger. Um, you know, I, and I did a thing in our Substack about a few of the holes. Um, but it's it's largely somewhat you know untouched. They haven't really added a whole lot of distance to it. It's just kind of what it is. It's it was built on a flat piece of land in the middle of a canyon by great architects, amateur architects, 
with some awesome holes that should be copied more. Hole six, the par three with the bunker in the middle. There should be more golf courses that do that. It's it's genius because basically what he why he did it is it gives you like four greens in one. You got four quadrants to work at. And, and they all kind of it all kind of banks itself in so that it'll it'll hold shots. But at the same time, if you miss it on the way on the opposite side, you're screwed. It's it's genius. I'm actually surprised more places don't do it. Mike's oh, secretly advocating for TPC San Antonio yes. Oaks course right now. A yeah. Greg Norman design, a classic <laughs> piece of golf course architecture. Yeah, they, they got one. They got a bunker in the middle there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I was when I was doing research for that article. I was reading about this from like, I think it was like the society of, because the two guys that did it, you know, um, Thomas and Bell, they're like, Thomas is a Philadelphia guy. So he's, he's from that school with Tillinghast and those, the guys that did Pine, he was one of the founding Pine Valley members. And that just, that design never took off with anywhere else. And it's actually kind of genius. It really is. Is that that Forrest Dune? No, it's at the loop. It's at the loop too. The loop has one. In yeah, Michigan. it's just like I believe. And it's the players were saying when you're on the tee box and it's a front pin, that little pot bunker makes the landing area seem look so small, you know. So visually, it's great too. It's just it's a cool hole. You you are bringing yourself into guys taking large divots out of your greens. That's that's yeah, the one thing you are. That's the one thing you are. You know, from in terms of keeping your your course nice you're, you're gonna get some hack out there that has to go over the bunker and they're gonna yeah. take a chunk out of the green there's enough Black slope ball. though where you could did you see tiger put it into the bunker i did see mm-hmm. that it's there's fantastic. enough slope well, where you can kind of go you can, you can kind of go around it because like keith mitchell had that one bunker shot that went way up and came way back down by the hole um but yeah yeah oh yeah you, you would get some they'd get chewed up especially if it's a public golf course yeah for they'd sure there'd be there'd be nothing left yeah and we'll get to Tiger. I, I just want to touch this on on John Rahm. So I think Kyle Porter tweeted this out. It's he's gotten uh, top seven in all five starts, ninety three under par in in twenty rounds, sixty seven point one scoring average. He's beat or tied six hundred and one players, which is a ninety ninety eight point eight percent. And then he's only lost to eight players, and he's earned nine million dollars in five starts. And he has uh, made 24 straight cuts, so he's only got 119 more to go to pass Tiger or something like that. Yep. And, and then, um, according to one more thing, according to to Data Golf too, this run by him is basically better than anybody post Tiger generation. So, you know, Tiger, Els, VJ, and Duval are the only ones that have like a better strokes gain run in them outside of this John Rahm one. Yeah. He's a machine. Like I think Homa. In Homa's speech, he basically said that, like, this, you know, I played against him in college. It's just, I expected him to do this. <laughs> it's like, he's that good. I know he's, I think he's also another thing with Rom. I believe career starts on the PGA Tour, he's over 50% now, top 10s. I think it's like 50, barely like one, like 51 or 52%. He's top 10, which is crazy. Yeah, he's a stud. He's, he, you yeah, know, if, what? He takes, if he takes top 25, that's a really bad week for him. Yeah, you know what I you know what's great about him and Homa. And I think this is for the the average golfer if you were watching this, you should have took a lot from those two guys. They will line a step up there and hit a cut almost 100% of the time. Did you see the one hole where Homa tried to draw it and just yanked it way left and he was talking about that as you know he's like, "Well, it draws a hard shot for me. That's why I hit a cut almost always." You well, know, everyone hits a pole when they're under pressure. Well, they're both. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but like, I think I, I think there's this perception out there by people that these pros are so good. They get up there and if the hole calls for a draw, they hit a draw. If it calls for a fade, that is not how they play. If you go watch them live, look at the 3M. They have their shots that they go to almost all the time. Like Rob and Homa on that one dog leg uh, left, you know, par, par four. I can't remember what number it is, like 14 or 15, you know where they kept going left a couple of times. Homa just hit a cut over the dog leg, like over the corner. He didn't even try to play a draw. They just hit the shots they're comfortable hitting over and over and over again. They don't play a lot of stuff. They can if they have to, but they don't. Well, and now with the, the new technology, and I, I don't know where I saw a video on this, it's the drivers are are so low spin now that the cut really isn't a spinny ball anymore. You're getting a, no. a load of distance on a quote-unquote cut that you maybe were not getting if you had that same swing 10 years ago, you weren't getting the results of rollout or uh, spin rate. 
Yeah, well, it's like a hole 18. The technology's made hole 18 kind of a, it used to be an awesome dramatic hole. They were talking about this on the TV somewhere where if one year Brandel Chambly was in a playoff or something and had to hit three wood into that green, you know, after a good drive. And now those guys are hitting Zalatoris. Did you see that on Sunday? Hit sand wedge from 150 yards. Jesus. Like, what? Like, so they're saying driver sandwich where back in the day it was legit like driver long iron. That's crazy. There's got to be some sort of bend in that sandwich. How do you hit that 150? I don't know, man. They were talking about somebody was talking about Zalatoris because he was good again this week, mm-hmm. and they were like, "He is the purest iron striker." He, he's like, if you went and watched him, he never miss hits an iron. It seems like at all. It's unbelievable. Well, I I want to make sure we touch a little bit on Max Homa. I mean, he he. Gave a great fight. He was down three going into it. I think he at one point took the lead. Yeah. Um, he's now ranked eighth in the world. Um, and then he had a, a fantastic interview after his round to show the transparency of, again, of who he is and how much this tournament meant to him. And that's kind of what, as a viewer of PGA Tour Golf, uh, pulls you in. You know, you, you get, you see the emotion. You see the how bad he wanted it. You see the competitor. You see, like, he gave his damn best you know, out there against the, the, the beast of the tour, you know, John Rahm was basically, you know, unflappable. And that's the kind of stuff that I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed the crying on hole 18 when the family comes out and they grab their kids and they pull them up. And, you know, that's the part that's always made me realize how much somebody cares. And I think that's what, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about this. That's what they have over live. I don't know if live will ever be able to capture that, they can't feeling. capture that. They they keep having shitty commercials trying with <laughs> Oh please. Oh the the tour's been around for 60 years. It's not it's not like there's this legacy of greatness. I mean well the kind of many isn't, of that the, what, isn't that what sustaining a tour for 60 years kind of is a legacy? That is such a all right. You you teach <laughs> you teach US history, they laugh at our short ass history overseas. <laughs> they do. They're like, they oh, do. Oh, we've got a we've got a, a bar located in our town older yeah. than your country. They've like, told me on. that in Dublin before. Although I will say, they would probably also laugh at a at a professional golf event being tape delayed on the CW, like <laughs> like Liv is this year on on their second year. But listen, the CW had some of the best shows: One Tree Hill, uh, Supernatural, all time. No, no, great. You show. know, do you Dawson's know what the, Creek? Yeah, Dawson's but do you know what, do you know why they refused? Have you heard the story of this? You know, because Liv is Liv, and whatever. So it's, it's a professional golf league. Liv's going to have their viewers for sure. They did not when Liv was going to play for some of these events. Not like some of the time change ones. The afternoon would have coincided with Judge Judy, and they could not move Judge Judy. Their big draw uh, to have a professional golf on. She's important, man. I mean, that is <laughs> she's a powerhouse. She is. Feisty. She uh, makes loads of money. I I forgot oh yeah. what she's worth. I mean, oh it's yeah. damn near a billion dollars. I'm pretty Same sure year. her her like one thing around around her neck is a doily. Doesn't look like a paper doily. It, it has to be. But anyway, I, I just think with Homa, um, I think for my money, he might have the best golf swing out there right now. It's so good. It's just technically sound. It's repeatable. Um. Is I just he the don't know fourth how... best player in the world right now, just based off of what you've seen. Huh? Is he the fourth best player in the world right now? Just, just not on world well, he's golf. At, he's, at, he's eighth right now, and he's eighth. But I mean, just like just the way he's playing right now. Oh, for sure, like a, for yeah, sure. Now maybe. we'll see because he's you know he's done a lot of damage in his home state. Once he got four of his six wins in California, he has yet to really contend in a major. That's going to be his next step. But I could see. You know, in a world, I know you got Rom's a machine, and we could talk. He's so good, and Rory will be. I, I'm sure Rory will win. I bet you Rory wins one of the big elevated events in Florida. I put my money on it. And then, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler. But I could see Max Homa getting to world number one someday, possibly. Like he's that good a ball striker. He seems to putt well under pressure most of the time. I mean, how many times he's un- he almost chipped in against Rom. Remember, remember when he won the Fortinet and he chipped in on Danny Willett? Oh, like he is, he is super clutch in those moments. Like he, he's going to be a Ryder Cupper for sure. Uh, he's really good. I just don't see how, how you can't like Max Homa. Is there anybody other that doesn't like Max Homa? Like he's, 
super likable. He's like self-deprecating. He'll laugh at himself. He'll he'll go. He'll interact with people on Twitter. You know, like roasting their swings for fun if they ask. It, he's just like the most likable guy out there. But he also has that super competitiveness that we don't see that like he doesn't that, that's what have been fun to see him like practicing at his club or you know he wins a tournament then what the next day he's out already playing the skins game like he yeah, just lazy skins game just like tim so he's yeah he i think there's a a part that we don't see that everybody talks about how hard he works how hard he works how hard he works so he's i think he's playing lots of golf and we don't see it well i think like go People forget he was a hell of a college player too. Like he wasn't just, you know, this is like not out of nowhere. He was top, you know, amateur in the world, one of the top amateurs, and then struggled like a lot of guys do on like Corn Ferry and whatever for a few years. And he's worked his way to the top almost now, which is awesome. Well, before we leave the Genesis, anything else on Homa Tim? Are you? No, kind of going back to some of the heritage around the tour around Homa, what, why he got so emotional that that tournament's been at that location for years and years. So yes, it does have a ton of history in a market. Think of like a Chicago market that hasn't really had much in the way of events. What live could have there if they continue to go back to, uh, Oh goodness. Uh, Rich Harvest farms. So well, they, they continue they to go back, back, and back they, they build viewership up and then we get a couple great golfers coming out of, out of Illinois. That, that live event could really mean something to someone 10 years down the road because that's how they grew up. So just perspective there, what that heritage really means, um, especially when a lot of these guys are, even though, yeah, shoot, they're younger than us. They're young. Um, you really don't need that long of a track record on any one of these tournaments to have enough of, of that heritage for someone to really care about it, to, to grow up with it. So it was, it was great to see that emotion out of him during the interview. Uh, but I, I think that we can count on that in the future if Liv survives at some of their events and in, in these major metros. I think Liv though has to ditch this like weird facade of just like weird like they're trying to very yeah I don't know what it is it's like it's like it's just like the just the names and the videos they're putting out it's like it just seems so bizarre it doesn't seem like a real golf tournament I think they've got to find a way to make it more you know, they're trying to be less serious, but also serious enough where the golf matters. You know what I mean? Like they need to find a way to, to, to reel that in more because right now it's just like these things I'm watching. I'm just like, it just seems like some giant ex exhibition of showing off people, not really out there to win a golf tournament. It's just, I don't know. You know what I think too? And Saudi investment uh, group, if you're listening, I, I think if they want to really gain traction, they're going to have to ditch Greg Norman. I just think he rubs or he maybe, maybe he's rubbed enough people in the golf world the wrong way, or there's just something about it with Greg Norman and like the rest of the golf world. If they ever want some sort of coexistion with, you know, with the P something, I feel like something with Greg Norman has to happen. I don't know what that is. Like he, he can't be your like front man to me going forward. If you want to keep, if you want to gain some steam or something, I don't know I, who you're going to I put agree. there. I agree. I did. CEOs get replaced, right? The CEO yeah. that builds and creates the company oftentimes gets replaced after the first couple of years of true success. So I, I don't think you're wrong. I think, I think he likely will get replaced based on what you see out of normal business. Cause I think like he sold this as they were going to get all these players and now they're in year two and Jed Morgan is still on a team. And there's a bunch of guys like, like if you look at those teams, they're, they have the same problem year two that they had year one. They got a few guys at the top, your Dustin Johnsons, your Cam Smiths, you know, and then they got a bunch of the kind of guys you'd call, you know, in the back end of their careers, a lot of them. And then they do not, they have not attracted. They've got a little bit of a Latin group going there with some young talent. They just got, they haven't attracted as many good younger players as they thought they would, I don't think. And that's a problem. Like you can't, how can you sustain calling yourself a world-class tour with Chase Kepka and uh, Jed Morgan. And obviously they're world-class players compared to like us, but they're guys who wouldn't make it on the PGA tour. Like Chase Kepka's tried. He couldn't make, he couldn't keep a tour card. Never even got one. I don't think he's only there because of his brother. I, like, I don't understand. I don't understand going forward, how you can be legitimate with some of those guys out there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe, maybe they're not in the long-term plan. I don't know, but. But I just think, 
uh, that Greg Norman's going to have to go at some point to me. Um, I, I want I'll, real quick. I want to circle back just before we kind of wrap up Riv because we didn't even talk about Tiger yet, and I just want to see like how you guys thought he looked, how he played. I I I thought he impressed me. I mean, I thought he lost his putter for a bit here and there. I thought his ball striking overall was promising. I mean, he was moving the well, the ball off the tee fairly well. Had a couple where he overcut it or didn't cut. You know, he has which which is normal for for a golfer, but. You know, he obviously doesn't have the gear of the top players. He just doesn't have that, you know, 15, 16 under in him, I don't think, because he just doesn't play enough. He doesn't have enough to draw off of. But he has enough in the tank where I think he could find it for a week, and I think it's just going to depend on what golf course and what tournament it is, you know, to, to you know to be able to do it. And I, I worry about, you know, that fourth round just seems like every time he's played it, doesn't have any gas. And that's part of just – playing and walking four rounds, which I don't think he ever does. I think he's still sitting there on a golf cart when he plays. Saturday, 67 was like the second or third lowest round of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was very encouraging for Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods fans. I think, you know, he walked with a limp, but it was consistent. It wasn't like he was, walk, you know, remember last year, like the masters where you could noticeably see him like getting worse and worse walking. And stuff like that, you know, you could. It was noticeable. I didn't think it was like I thought it was just the same walk the whole time. I thought he was a little rusty. He chunked a couple of wedges. You see that where like, really he like chunked them short and stuff. Those are things he can clean up. But man, the ball speed was there. He was he was getting one eighty ball speed. You know, he's he's really put a dent into Tim's whole ground force theory. He basically went on TV and said, "I well, I can't use the ground he's anymore." He's, and here he's rotating and hitting it past JT, giving him tampons, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was I thought was hilarious. People are way oh, too so serious funny. about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I what golf course can you win at Augusta? I mean, why yeah, couldn't it's a hard walk? I think he gets I think he gets too tired by Saturday, Sunday. Maybe he yeah. does, but he he said himself he's he's feeling a lot better. It's the one golf course where the course knowledge reigns supreme. And it's also the one golf course where John Rahm has to. You have to hit some draws there. Like there is no that's where guys like Rahm and you know, like I said, they'll hit cuts almost all the time, but you have to hit. Like, I think, didn't Morikawa talk about that in full swing where he was practicing the draw for Augusta or something? You have to. There's no cutting it on a couple of those holes. You have to hit a good draw. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Could he play at a Bay Hill? Sawgrass? I don't oh, know. Oh, Bay Hill is wonderfully walkable. Bay Hill? He could great. play Bay Hill. And he's he's got a great record at Bay Hill. He's won many, many times. It wouldn't Big surprise thing me. Big on Tiger. He... Huge thing. Top 1,000 in the world now. He was ranked 100, <laughs> what, 1,294th. And then he came out at 985th. So he's top 1,000 nice. in World Golf Rankings. I don't uh, – I think for him to play Bay Hill, he has to declare that by this Friday. So I don't well, – I, I bet you he won't. He'll play next. If the players are next week, is he going to play in that? Like that's – I don't know. But uh, he said he wanted to play all the majors. He was at LACC on Monday, like scoping it out or whatever. Checking yeah. it out. Um, yeah. You know, you look at the major schedule, it sets up decent for him. Augusta, which is a tough walk, but he knows it better than anybody in that field. You know, the course knowledge, he's number one there. The PGA Championship is what? Oak, Oak Hills this year, is that what it is? I think it is. Mm-hmm. In New York. That's not a crazy, I don't think that's a crazy up and down golf course. It's fairly flat, old school. LACC, nobody really knows because it's not been the rotation. And then the Open is at uh, Royal Hoylake, where he won with just an iron. He never even had to hit driver, you know, so I don't know. Is it Hoylake or is it Liverpool this year? Same course. Yeah. Oh. The same thing. Royal, Hoy- Royal Liverpool is called Hoylake. Same course. Um, But, like, I don't know. I just... It's bizarre to me that he's never played well at Riviera. It just seems like the one golf course that would set up so well for his game. Just ball mm-hmm. striking, small greens, good iron play. But good short game. Yeah, I agree. Well, if he's listening, you know, you know, 
TPC Twin Cities is fairly flat. I mean, yeah, Tiger, come on, come we'll, on, Tiger. Uh, you can work the ball out there in Blaine. And... We could get you out to Shamrock for an open practice round. That's really flat. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you feeling really good about your yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, Tiger would all would probably. Uh, I'm guessing the course record will be in jeopardy. Ah, uh, yeah, I think we just got to soak him up this year. Anytime he tees up, every time you just got to have perspective with him and just really enjoy watching Tiger Woods because he just, you know, the way he talks, it's always like. You know, he's he don't have much in the tank. You know, there's not much left in me. My light, my body's about to go out. It's like you never know when he's gonna hang it up. So you just gotta really. Anytime you see Tiger and Tiger Red, or he's gonna tee it up, you just gotta soak that in and and really enjoy it because it's probably coming down to the home stretch. It is amazing though how much he moves the needle still. You know, Rom has just been a machine. Was a machine again. I gotta think the opening round three finishing holes where Tiger birdied them all had more like analytical sway on Twitter or something than any of them. When he went on that, that stretch there of birdies to finish that first round or the mm-hmm. Eagle that he had, you know, already out where he hit it up there close. Like it's amazing. Yeah. So, well, let's, uh, let's, we've got a non elevated event this, this week. So it's not something to, you know, to, to talk about too much, but we are at PGA national. It's the Honda very, I mean, in terms of all, you know, world golf rankings, weak field, but, mostly because it's sandwiched in between all these, you know, you got waste management, Genesis, this stop. And then after this, you got Bay Hill and the players. So it's really a a time for the big players to take their rest. But that also means there's opportunity. And with opportunity comes new faces, young players, people that hungry to, to tee it up. And, and maybe it gives us an opportunity to see somebody that we haven't seen before or talented guys that are on the cord ferry or, you know, people that we, have heard a lot about in their college, you know, pedigrees and things like that. So I think we're going to get a lot of those youngsters to play and, and hopefully guys like, you know, maybe our guy, Frankie Sappin, you know, is teaming it up this week. Hopefully he kind of makes a, makes a little run and, and gets him himself out there. At least uh, it is a contention at some point to, to get that experience. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I know it's not a fantastic golf course. It's a hard golf course. It's very it's, difficult. It's Lots brutally of water. Hard. Brutally hard. Like, in fact, uh, I, I saw just one the, the score of 10 under her less has been enough to win this event in eight out of 10 years. Yeah, last here's, 10 your, years. here's your last winners. Uh, Seb Schraka last year. After remember, remember last year when Lowry was winning and then it started to rain. He got a shit, he got a shitty draw there. He got all pissy, and I'm like, You're from yeah. freaking Ireland, man. That's like it rains every day. That was the weirdest thing ever. But Seb Straka 10 under, Matt Jones the year before that, 12 under. Sung Im got his big start there, but he won at six under three years ago. Keith Mitchell, Cashmere Keith, who, by the way, great showing again. That's my guy. He looked classy and played well. He won at uh, nine under. Justin Thomas won in the playoff at eight under. And Ricky Fowler, six six years ago, won at 12 under. Adam Scott at nine. So it's, a, it, it's not a go-low golf course. It is tight. No. It's a par 70. And I think some a really telling thing I heard on like PGA Tour radio today. They were, it was some guy in the know. He said, you know, like half the tour lives down there, and none of them play that course ever because they don't want to get punished all the time. And that's what it is. It's hard. Uh, I think top ball strikers who perform, from what I read, perform well on Bermuda typically play this event pretty well. It's also one of the toughest on tour for approaches over 150 yards. So, which means you got pretty firm, firm greens. And I think, you know, you get a lot of wind out in Florida. So you get wind that can play a factor on that. You get, you know, you're coming out of the rough. You get a lot of flyers, uh, things like that. It's well known for the bears trap. That's bear trap. That's holes 15 to 17. That's two longer par threes over water. And then 16 is a par four that, you know, I think it, it's too much to take driver, but also makes you lay back. So you have to hit another long iron into a, tight window um, surrounded again by bunkers and water. So it has finishing fireworks too. It's got a lot of good ending. Hole 18 is a great ending hole too because you get a lot like last year, even with the Sepp Straka just comes up and rips an iron through the the, the starting of of the rain. And so I don't know. It's just, it seems like it can give you some good drama down the stretch. I know there's been a lot of playoffs on 18 there that that uh, are quite memorable. So a lot of playoffs and like one stroke victories. So it does lead to, it's funny because it's a tough, it's not a very great to watch on T visually on TV. It's not a great golf course to look at, but it's, it's a 
tough course. It's hard. What's nice too, for any listeners that want to, again, get away from our, our incoming snowstorm, there are courses that you can play. So there's, there's actually a host of different golf courses. Um, they're on the championship course, which is a Fazio and then a Nicholas redesign, hence the bear trap. But there's also the Palmer course, the Fazio course, the estate, the staple, and a new one that just opened called the match, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's only 5,600 yards, but it is absolutely a match play course. I'm not even sure if they necessarily list the par. You just go out there and you play head to head. And it That's is sweet. sweet. That's kind of cool. You'd love this, Mike. It's all renditions of classic architects. So perfect. McDonald, Rayner, um, Mackenzie, all of those. It's it's all of these old architectural designs, all these templates. When I was um, uh when I was doing my picks today, I was watching Demolition Man on AMC. Remember that movie with Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes? Where they cryogenically freeze Sylvester Stallone. Wouldn't it be, what would, what would like, um, I don't know, let's say CB McDonald say if he had been, if he was cryogenically frozen and he came and looked at the bear trap, he's like, what the hell is this? All this water. Cause I'll know he would be so impressed with the Foz. <laughs> he would love, he'd be like, wow, look at all these tools. You guys can move dirt. Yeah. That thing moves. Guys, Holy Christ. Like, like well, you think about it, like Riviera last week. That golf course was made. They they barely moved any land. They they propped up some greens a little bit. They used like like hole four at the par three is kind of built into the hillside a little bit there. But it's like they hardly moved any dirt. They just built it right where it is. And now modern modern architecture just get the backhoes out there and the and just move dirt everywhere and make whatever Hell you can. Hell yeah, baby. We love a good construction site. <laughs> there is a stay and play package though. Uh I I just plugged in mid-March because you know my commission comes out tomorrow fingers crossed who knows could be taking another vacation haven't haven't done so in about a month really really earning for one uh $724 a night which includes uh unlimited golf for up to up to two people per room so really not a terrible value as there are so many different courses there and this match course just looks like a blast I mean I couldn't you could play this championship course. You could play the championship course. Yep. No, that's not that's not horrible if you get it. You yeah. could conceivably play fifty four holes if you play thirty six, and then you play that mass play course. Yep. And unfortunately, outside of this, there's not that much down there except Doral, as far as really top courses that are public. It, from here on out, it gets really private, really fast. Yeah. In the area, for anything of great value. Well, let's get to our picks this week. All right. Well, last week we uh, nobody won except Tim got a top twenty or a Danny Willett, so he Ooh. bumped up a little bit. I think you're still in the negative. I haven't added it together yet, but that was, it, was it, a, it was a rough week for the boys. Tim did have Max Homa to win. So I, I thought been, I was going to get two wins. I thought it was going to be good. Week. But uh, all right, we'll go right down the. Uh, we'll go. I don't know, Jeff. Go ahead. Who you got this week? Yeah. We got to say well, five hundred dollars. Spend it any way you want. All right, so I'm going to do $100 on a young player that uh, when I interviewed Damon Hack, he was saying that he thinks this guy is going to win on tour this year. And he doesn't, he's not even on the PGA Tour yet. He's in the Corn Ferry Tour, but Ashley Batia, lefty. I think if you've followed golf, you've probably heard of him. Very thin guy, but got a very uh, aggressive swing. Um, but he's talented, very talented. Uh, so I put $100 on him to top 20. I think he's just out there. To, and, and I think he missed the cut in the corn free last week. So he should be well-rested. I think he's excited to play in this event. So that's uh, 100 bucks for a top 20 there. Is, this, is there a lefty bias in this pick at all? I'm begging for another lefty. I lost Bobo. I lost Mickelson to live. I got to find another. Brian Harmon is Brian Harmon. You know, we got we to gotta get another one um, on tour. Um, I'm going to put $200 on a top five from Adam Svensson. Uh, played very well last week. Got a top 10 in a very loaded field. So he's playing against the, the big dogs last week, top 10-ing. And he also top 10 in last year's uh, Honda. So he's I'm always a big fan of course history. I'm a big fan of recent uh, form. And he fits both of those and checks both those boxes. And then on top of that, you've got just a, an overall weaker field. So I'm hoping that confidence that he had last week Rolls into this week, um, and and he just keeps uh, playing well. So I've got that one. And my final one, 
is Harris English to win $200. Harris English, he is alive. He is back playing. He played last week, got 12th. And if any, if you guys know anything about betting, you got to kind of hit it before it gets hot. And I'm trying to kind of really dig deep on this one. I think he's, I don't know, what was his odds? Like plus, I don't know, 4,000. So I think I win like eight grand if he, if he wins. Um, he's just getting the swing of things, but coming off a 12th place finish, knowing again that it's a weaker field, he's played relatively well, well there. He hasn't really ever top five, but he's taken some decent finishes. I'm, I'm going to kind of swing for the fences on this one and, you know, I've, I've need to make up some lost money. So we're going to, we're going to put a lot of, uh, eggs into the old Harris English basket. Says the guy firmly in the green, just printing money <laughs> over at the, the Gabby household. Go ahead, Tim. I am going big. I need I need to continue to try to recoup my losses. So I'm going with two winner picks. There haven't been a lot of repeat winners here. So I, I didn't want to necessarily go for someone that has won before. It just doesn't seem to happen. But a guy that was very much in contention and showed a really good stride at, uh, at Riv, and that's Shane Lowry. For some reason, has played well, but just has come up a little bit short here. Uh, I don't know why the the Irishman seems to play well in Florida. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, but we're going 250 on Lowry to win at plus 1,200. And then we're going to go to a Florida boy, Mr. Gator himself, probably repping the, the blue and orange bag this week. You can feel Gainesville. It's just a few hours away. Uh, but we're going with Billy Horschel to win as well. And he's plus 3000. So putting $250 on him didn't have a strong showing at Riv, but hoping for a little bit of a bounce back in his home state. Now that we're in his swing of the tour. All right. Well, I'm going off of the, uh, we're going to leave North America for a second here for my, for one of my picks. And we're going to go to, we're uh, going to Mexico. No, we're not going to go to. Uh, we're not going to go to live mainly because I don't. I couldn't really find live odds because there's nobody in the field. So it's like that. I think they have a hard time handicapping <laughs> it when like Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith win every event. Um, Tell me to get oh, my I, money a back. Little, little, a little side too. note on live at Mayakoba. I do find it a little bit intriguing and laughable that one of their main ship of you know flagship events because they all are according to them is at a golf course that the PGA Tour has like one of their like offshoot events at that it's like a, nobody wins there you know it's it's funny to me that they're it's like polar opposites but we're gonna go uh to the dp world tour this week moves to india for the indian open and i i don't know i don't know this player too much i don't know how he handles pressure but it's on home turf he's looking to win in india and he's from india that is Shabankar Sharma. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. Shabankar. Shabankar. Shabankar Sharma plus 3300 oh, to golf, win. Man. Bring home, keep the trophy right there in India at the DLF Golf and Country Club. We got 100 bucks on that. DFL, is that what it was? It's called DFL. DLF, the DLF Golf and Country Club. That's not a good omen. DLF, okay. My almost pick was a lefty for that one, Robbie Mack. He's playing. Um, so we're going to go there off the board a bit. The The DP World Tour has been good to me this year. Uh, and then we're going to go uh, back to the Honda. 100 bucks to win for Min Woo Lee, making his U.S. debut this year. Uh, good ball striker, plus 2,500. We're going to go $200 to win. On a guy who I think has to be up there in best players to not win on tour. And that's Denny McCarthy. Denny McCarthy was T14 at Riv. And he got uh, tied for third at this event two years ago. So he plays well here. And then my last 100, I was going to take Svensson also because he's played well. He was T9 at the Honda last year and T9 at Riv last week. But since you did, I better, I'm better. i going to change it up. We're going to go to a guy who's pretty good at one stat that, that bears well here, and that's bogey avoidance. And that's Christian Bezadenhut to top 10 for $100. That's the picks for this week. All right, so stay tuned uh, on that. Uh, you know, as we wrap up here, a couple things that we have coming up in the in the hopper, if you what, will. 
What is this blasphemy? No live? Oh, we already talk to, live? You want to talk live quick? Go ahead, Tim. I Another place you can go and stay and would recommend. So there's there's four different properties available if you want to go play uh, where the Mayakoba plays. And uh, that ranges from about $800 to $950 per night with golf included. And All right. That's... A, you can you can hit it in a giant cave. Yep. And we all know uh, Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith is probably going to win. More than likely. But how fun would that party be? Right on the beach. What a great location. That would for... be a good party time. So. Oh, man. Get well, the uh, Miami Vices going. Tim, we have a interview coming out on Wednesday, I believe, with Bailey Farms. If you want to just yep. give a quick little uh, synopsis snippet of what that's about. I think this one's particularly exciting just because it's it's such an oddity for a a single ownership to to really take over a golf course anymore, uh, but b really someone as young as Crossley Duckman to take over a golf course. So, Golf Digest a few weeks back did a piece of a golf course that got uh, purchased in Wisconsin by a twenty four year old. Well, that one not quite as illustrious as Bailey Farms, which was a part of Four Plays, uh, one of their events uh, and a host to them, but also ranked in the the top 20 in Michigan for public golf. And we know how hard that can be in such a powerhouse state. So uh, Crosley Duckman is the owner of a golf course called Bailey Farms, which he purchased when he was 24 years old uh, back in, I believe, 2021. So a, a news article, newsletter came out last week about it and if anyone is listening uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, break 80 now has a Substack news article you can google us there uh, but try to run interesting uh, pieces around around just the golf world and, and some of our interviews but we're going to have crosley duckman and a piece on bailey farms coming out wednesday mike is that the plan wednesday yep wednesday we'll drop that one um, and then we've got on Friday an interview with Michael Jordan coming out. MJ. Whoa, big oh, time in it. Oh, 23, that's, baby. That's, that's Michael E. Jordan. Um, <laughs> oh, not Michael B. Jordan? Either. Well, that too. You know, we talk, We did talk about that. He's the founder and CEO of the company Unreal. And that's we had a good talk with him. Um, very interesting talking about how he basically built that company from, from, the, you know, from nothing. So pretty cool. Um, uh, interview there and then we are we're at the golf show on saturday and sunday so come out and see us that starts on friday but we'll be out there on saturday and sunday i think we probably mentioned that before uh we will maybe meet with a couple of guests we'll share our course that we are are planning to build and just look forward to meeting people that's kind of the biggest um get together in, as far as the winter goes that you could probably find and so that's where we'll be um stop by and say hi so other than well, that interview sunday we've got kevin coming on yeah that's right Kevin from Twin Cities Golf will be there with us on Sunday. So anything else, boys, before we sign off? No, come on down to the golf show and BS with the Break 80 podcast. All right. Well, we will see you, see you then. Until then, I guess uh, get the uh, the old shovels slash uh, God, snow. Blow torch. I'm just going to get a blow yeah, torch. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be an ugly couple of days. So, so get, you know, bunker up and uh, hopefully you've got something to watch on TV. Later. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. This guy's pretty good.